24 years ago, tragedy struck the small town of Boulder, Colorado. A gruesome murder that tugged heartstrings across America. A case that has gone cold and gets further from being solved with every day that passes. Today, we will be talking about the unsolved murder of the child beauty pageant star, John Benet Ramsey. You're listening to Mysteries on Earth. I'm your host, Holly Fortino. Join me as I delve deep into the greatest unsolved mysteries this Earth has ever seen. From fact to theory, secrets of the past and present will be uncovered. Let the investigation begin. December 25th, 1996, Christmas Day. Mother Patsy and Father John Ramsey had a wonderful last holiday with their two children, nine-year-old Burke Ramsey and six-year-old John Benet Ramsey. That night, the Ramseys joined their friends at the White Christmas family party. The Ramsey family headed home around 9.30 p.m. Young John Benet had fallen asleep in the car after a long day of play. Her father carried her right up to bed and she slept through the night. This would be the last time John and Patsy Ramsey claimed they saw their daughter. The family had a planned annual trip to Michigan the next morning. Patsy woke up early that day around 5.30 in the morning, being sure to not miss their flight. She packed up her last few items and headed downstairs for a cup of coffee. As she reached the kitchen, she noticed a strange letter. Patsy read through the letter, realizing it was a ransom note. The note requested money and had multiple threats regarding John Bonet. The ransom note threatened that if Patsy seeked help from the police, the bank, or anyone else, John Bonet would be beheaded. Right away, Patsy woke up her husband and they called the police about the kidnapping. Notice that Patsy did not mention any threat to her daughter in that phone call to the police. That was the first red flag. The police received the news and headed over to the Ramsey household around 6 o'clock in the morning. Police found the ransom note to be very unusual. It was three pages long, full of detail, whereas most ransom notes are short and to the point. The note was written directly to John Ramsey, requesting a very strange amount of money. They asked for exactly $118,000, the exact amount of money John Ramsey received as a bonus that year. Thus, the criminal had to have known the Ramsey family pretty well. The ransom note also stated that they would call between 8 and 10 a.m. looking for the money. As the Ramsey family waited for that call, the Boulder Police Department searched the house, looking for any clue. They determined that there was no sign of a struggle or forced entry in the house. Meanwhile, John woke up his son Burke and brought him to the White family household. I suppose John wanted to keep his young son away from the crime scene. Patsy and John also called some family friends to come over for some moral support. 
So 10 a.m. passes and no call has come in from the kidnapper. By noon, the police had left the house to make a report back at the station. Detective Linda Arndt stuck around the Ramsey household in case any call came in, and just to protect the well-being of the family. While waiting around, Detective Arndt suggested they search the house one more time. So her and John Ramsey began searching the house once again. John begins in the basement. He decided to open the door of a storage closet. There, he finds the body of his six-year-old daughter. A case of kidnapping has now become a homicide. Which is very strange, I mean, why would someone leave a ransom note when John Bonet is already dead in the house? When her body was found, John Bonet had a nylon cord wrapped around her throat, leaving rope burns. The nylon rope was attached to a makeshift garrote. Her mouth was duct tape and her hands were tied together. Her skull was visibly fractured and her body was bruised. The police immediately cleared the home. One reason this case is still cold to this day is the fact that the crime scene had been completely contaminated. A police department, family friends, and the Ramsey family were in the home all morning, moving items and spreading fingerprints. This was a crime scene contamination nightmare. Within days of John Bonet's body being found, Patsy and John had lawyered up, each having their own criminal attorney. They refused to cooperate and talk to the police, which made them quite suspicious. A few days later, on December 31st, 1996, a funeral was held for young John Bonet in her hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. The very next day, John and Patsy decided to go on CNN in Atlanta to make a statement. John and Patsy went on live television and claimed that they were cooperating with police and told them everything, which is a complete lie. This infuriated the Boulder Police Department. By the time John and Patsy got back to their home in Boulder, the case had hit national headlines and the media was swarming their home. Investigators soon made their first solid discovery in the case. They realized that the ransom note was written on Patsy's notepad. The garrote used to strangle John Bonet was made of one of Patsy's broken paintbrushes, meaning that the killer had the time to create a murder weapon, write a three-page ransom note, and kill John Bonet, all while not waking the family from their slumber. Yeah, sounds fishy to me too, as well as the rest of America. After weeks of unrest, the autopsy report had finally arrived, hopefully giving answers, but all it did was raise more questions. The autopsy reported that John Bonet had died of strangulation as well as trauma to the brain. There was also evidence of sexual penetration with a tiny amount of DNA on the waistband of her underwear. Now many people were suspicious of John Ramsey's involvement. But experts did determine that John Bonet had never been sexually assaulted prior to her death. As the case moved on and grew more fame, a new outsider detective joined in on the search. His name is Detective Lou Smith. While the public and the Boulder Police Department had their eyes set on the Ramsey family, Detective Smith believed there was a different story here. He saw some red flags that the Boulder Police Department maybe had missed. Detective Smith believed someone had broken into the Ramsey home that night through the basement window. After searching the home, he noticed that the grate above the window was moved. He also noticed scuff marks under the window. Underneath that window were leaves and debris from outside. There was also a suitcase propped underneath the window, as if someone had used it to climb up. John Ramsey claims that that suitcase wasn't there the night before. But other investigators noted that there were cobwebs on the window. Wouldn't they have been broken if someone entered through that window? Then, next to John Bonet's body was an unidentified shoe print. 
as well as a partial palm print. JonBenet also had strange markings on her neck. Detective Smith firmly believes that this mark is from a stun gun. Perhaps that's how the killer was able to coax the child downstairs. By now, we know that John and Patsy Ramsey are main suspects, but police were searching far and wide for other possible killers. Another main suspect was the Ramsey's housekeeper, Linda Hoffman Pugh, as well as her husband, Mervyn. Since she was the housekeeper, Linda knew the home and who was in it very well. The Pugh family was also struggling financially, which could possibly explain the money request on the ransom note. Linda had actually recently asked Patsy to borrow $2,000, and the same brand of duct tape that was used on JonBenet was found in the Pugh home. But Linda and her husband were soon ruled out due to their loyalty to the Ramsey family and a lack of evidence. A local man named Bill McReynolds was also closely looked at as a suspect. Just two days before the murder, McReynolds played Santa Claus at the Ramsey's Christmas party, where he struck a friendship with John Bonet. He allegedly told John Bonet that a secret Santa Claus was going to make a very special visit to her. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. As investigators dug through McReynolds' past, they made a frightening discovery. They found that McReynolds' daughter was kidnapped 22 years earlier on Christmas Day. His wife had also written a play about a little girl being killed. The couple was cleared after their hair, handwriting, and blood samples didn't match anything from the crime scene. Come April 30th, 1997, four months after the murder, the Ramseys finally sat down with police to clear their name. But John and Patsy Ramsey had two different stories about the night their daughter died. Like I said earlier, the Ramseys claimed that John Bonet had fallen asleep in the car. When they got home, John carried her to bed, and she never woke up. But the toxicology report states that John Bonet had pineapple in her stomach, which means she had to have consumed pineapple within two hours of her death. Note that pineapple was not served at the White's Christmas party. And Patsy's fingerprints were found on the bowl and spoon that John Bonet ate from. John and Patsy also claimed that their son Burke was asleep the next morning when calling the police. At the end of the phone call, Patsy had thought she hung up. Experts firmly believe that they heard Burke's voice at the end asking, what did you say? Or what did they say? Throughout the case, many theorized perhaps John Bonet's death was an accident caused by Burke, then covered up by John and Patsy. By the summer of 1998, nothing had come of the investigation. The case was now finally going to court to see if anyone else could be indicted. It was soon made public that the grand jury had decided not to indict John and Patsy Ramsey. Then, around June 30th, 2006, Patsy Ramsey was laid to rest due to brain cancer. Within weeks of her tragic death, the case of John Bonet Ramsey made headlines once again. This time, a brand new suspect emerges. His name was John Mark Carr. The 41-year-old schoolteacher was arrested in Bangkok, Thailand. Carr made claims that he was with John Bonet when she died and that her death was an accident. With such claims, police immediately flew Carr back to the States but they were unable to place Carr in Boulder at the time. He was actually with his family in Georgia at the time of the murder. Plus, none of his DNA matched anything at the crime scene. The story went quiet for a few years, up until 2008. With new technology testing called Touch DNA, the case was opened yet again. The newly discovered DNA evidence didn't match any of the Ramsey family members. The DNA belonged to an unidentified person. The Ramsey family received a formal exoneration and a public apology for being suspects in the first place. The year is now 2013, and just when we thought the case closed, even more information comes about. 
Charlie Brannon, a local news reporter, received a tip. A tip that the grand jury's decision 14 years ago wasn't what we really thought it was. There was a little bit of hearsay that the grand jury actually did indict John and Patsy Ramsey. So, Brannon sued the district attorney's office to get his hands on the truth. He ended up winning the lawsuit, and the grand jury records were unsealed and open to the public for the first time. The grand jury did, in fact, indict John and Patsy Ramsey, but the district attorney declined to prosecute them. There is one huge question you and I are both wondering right now. Why? Why weren't John and Patsy indicted? Why was this information kept from American citizens? And most importantly, what were they trying to hide? These are questions that you and I will probably never know the answers to. Through all the chaos, fame, and lies, we must think about the true forgotten tragedy here. That is the violent murder of an innocent child, a life taken far too soon. The story of the Ramsey family is quite tragic altogether. 24 years later, the killer of young John Bonet Ramsey remains a mystery on earth. I would like to give credit to Hill Harper on HBO, Biography.com, and CrimeMuseum.com for their information about the case of JonBenet Ramsey. Today's podcast was written, edited, and produced by yours truly, Holly Fortino. If there's a certain mystery you want to hear, or if you even have your own mystery, send an email to mysteriesonearth13 at gmail.com. And don't forget to join in for our next investigation. <laughs>